this is something that is not about the destination. So if anyone's like, oh, I want to make it big, it's more about you need to enjoy the process. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a story or solving the climate crisis, you need to think in new ways. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative solutions. Through creativity, action, inspiration, and innovation, they're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can use to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. I am so excited that you're here, and I'm even more excited, sorry, to welcome this week's guest. I want to tell you all about Miranda Roldan. First of all, if you know me at all, you know Die by the Sword, and then you know that Miranda is Cassie Belmont. She graces the cover. She's doing the audiobook of the book. It's so exciting. But let me tell you about her. Miranda is a TV and film actor. She's a voice artist. She's an entrepreneur. And her credits include the following, and you're going to love this. The Blacklist, FBI, saw the episode that was so cool. Law and Order, SVU, Hallmark, Lifetime, and Disney+. Plus. Just to name a few, there are tons more. She's also a commercial actor with regional and national campaigns currently running, as well as, as I mentioned, the voice of Die by the Sword. She's part of the Cassie Belmont Tarot Mystery sort of series and world and I'm so excited and she is the host of the Balancing Actor podcast it's brand new and it's really amazing you're going to love it you can check that out on Spotify or Apple Miranda is also a military spouse who works in both New York and the Southeast and resides with her husband and rescue cat Margot in Florida Miranda thank you so much for being here welcome to the show thanks Isolde for having me I'm very excited to be here this is, you know, we were just we were just chatting before we started recording. I feel like we should have been recording all of that because it was so much fun. Yes, I, I'm, it's ridiculous, right? But let's let's talk a little bit about this. You've chosen a life that's really unique, and you you you're an actor, and you travel all over the world to do that. You travel all over the world to model. You also are a military spouse, and you podcast, and you write, and you produce, and you do all of these things. Wow. Uh, I, I should ask what your sleep regimen is, because it's probably about three minutes a night. But I know. <laughs> uh, right. But but also, I, I would love to get to know you a little bit and talk before we do all of the holy crap. How do you fit all that in in one day? Mm-hmm. What what drew you to performing? What made you go? You know what? This is the life I choose, regardless of everything else that's going to go on. This is what I want to do. Oh my gosh. What a great question. First of all, I'm just trying to be like you, Isolde. Uh, (laughs) Isolde said amazing things. I always rave about you to all my colleagues just because I'm just so impressed like with all of your talents and skills. I've learned so so much from you and you're an amazing teacher and I really cherish our friendship over the years. Me too. (laughs) Yes. And it's just so, it's just grown to be something so special. And we'll get to how we met in a second because I think it's a really unique, cool story. Uh, But for me, I didn't grow up living the, you know, I'm going to become an actor on stage sort of aspiration. I actually have this book in fourth grade where it said I wanted to be a singer. I think like some of my favorite singers were like Shakira and stuff. And that was like a fun thing to do. Um, Love it. And I, 
but I didn't, you know, after that moment, I kind of reality kicked in and I was like, all right, well, that's a fun thing to, you know, aspire to want to do is be a performer is really at the core what I wanted to be doing with my life. And I did it in a hobby form. I was a dancer for many years. I performed competitively on stages like tap dance, uh, lyrical ballet. Like I was in that like dance moms type of world that's on TV. Mm -hmm. And I like think that if I hadn't done that at the beginning of my life and those formative years, I would not be the actor that I am today or the woman who's pursued this career. Um, I, I started off going the more traditional route. I went to dental hygiene school. I'm a a Mm. registered dental hygienist. And you know what? I think that that was one of the best decisions I ever made for myself as much as I would love to have majored in acting and theater and all of that stuff. Um, my family, you know, comes from a working class, like everybody was a cop or a nurse or a teacher to some degree. And I just kind of followed suit and found this passion for healthcare, which I, I, I love, but it, I always felt like something was missing Mm. from my life. And I always felt like I was meant for more. So for me, I was dancing. I was, I'm also certified Zumba instructor. I mean, you know, you collect all these like fun hobby things to do. And it was really just my outlet to perform. And it wasn't until I moved to DC, just Mm. magical city, as you know, (laughs) where I was, I I took a job full-time for a community health center. It wasn't long after I had graduated hygiene school. I like worked as a clinical instructor for a year in Connecticut. I was like honored to do the teaching thing. That was really cool. And then I had moved, um, um, to DC to take this full-time community health center opportunity that would hope to pay back some of my private student loans that were very, very large. Mm. <laughs> so, um, I spent about two and a half years at that community health center. Turns out never got the loan repayment money. That's for another story, but Yikes. I think everything kind of happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, private school is not cheap and I went to a, an amazing program, uh, the university of new Haven and it was great. And I was able to like to study abroad and have like this kind of conventional, um, college experience while I was also on the university dance team. And then there was like one little theater class at my college, but we were not like an arts, liberal arts college. It was very like we had criminal justice and fire science at my college and dental hygiene was its own sorority and another building. And everybody saw us on campus, like these like cute girls that never like left the building because <laughs> we didn't, we were always there. It's like basically like going to a nursing school boot camp. you know, it's like a very intense major and uh, just had my sights set on like getting my high, hy- my hygiene um, degree and my license. And it's really the thing that has carried me through this creative career because we know that it has a lot of financial ups and downs. For sure. And I think the reason I can say I've been an actor for going on 13 years now is the fact that I've had this other career to help support me along the way, which has kept, you know, the longevity up in the creative process and the ability to do that. So I'm I'm like so grateful for the path that I went on. Um, and I, it, it's not lost on me at all, but I, I never it imagine in a million years that like my fourth grade self would be like doing what I'm doing. And I, I she would just think she's so cool now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are so cool. So there you go. I, I add my voice to your fourth grade self. It's yeah. fascinating to me, actually, that you, you know, you're talking about this, taking a very, what I would say is a realistic approach. I have a, I have a friend who was in a movie with Tom Hanks and she asked, she was, unknown. And she asked him, 
what do I need to do to make it big? And how do I do this? And he said, I'm going to be very honest with you. He said, if there's nothing else you can or want to do, do this. Otherwise, go find something else to do because this will break your heart many times before you succeed. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that because you, as I said, as you said, you took a very realistic, it was very practical approach and you're reaping some of those rewards now. What is your advice to someone who's thinking about getting into acting and needs to, we're going to talk about your podcast, balance, needs to balance both that financial aspect and practical aspect of life and work and their aspirations and dreams of being on stage or screen? Great question. So I have two feelings on this. Like I can see two sides of the coin to that statement. It actually brings me straight back because I've heard something very similar when I was younger too. And I started, I pursued modeling uh, back when I was like 19, I think that was like my first time ever, like really looking into it. My mm-hmm. mom, like no, but my mom was not into it. Like she, she would support me. Like my parents were the most supportive, but I was the one that was really like, this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and had to figure it out myself and being, you know, 18, 19 years old, like you don't know anything. Sorry. But like, if you don't have anything, <laughs> you don't have a mentor or anything, you don't know anything. So I would, you know, search online and I'm coming from this rural town in Massachusetts. There is like, you know, Boston was the closest thing, any remote to an agency, but I wasn't anywhere near Boston and there wasn't really a whole whole lot going on in New Haven, Connecticut, where I went to school, but I ended up, um, like participating in this pageant, (laughs) like this, like, unknown um, pageants are not my thing, but I respect the right ones. I'll just put it that way. Um, And there was a part of this like pageant preparation. It it was a beauty contest at the end of the day. Let's be really honest. Like I thought there was going to be a whole interview. Like I took it so seriously. I like had a little outfit and then I realized that I only had to wear like a cute little daytime wear Mm. and like a cute little like evening gown, which I could not afford. So I wore my prom dress. (laughs) Like I like that's the most expensive, fanciest dress I had. So I wore my prom dress. It looked really good. So I'm like glad I... (laughs) rewore it because I ended up winning Miss Boston's Perfect Teen 2009, I think it was. Awesome. Um, So it it was great and it was cool, but I was just kind of like, wait, but don't you want to hear me speak? I like have a brain. Mm. So I, and part of that and why I'm getting to it is like, I attended this like other modeling call and it was at the time kind of one of those like cattle call things that you would hear on the radio. Do you remember those? Oh, yes. Like, you want to be a model? Come down to the mall. <laughs> and like, and I'm, of course, I'm like, yes, I want to do that. And my mom's like, I don't know. And then they're like, it'll only cost you $5,000 on your house. Um, right. So attended and I had a monologue, but I remember somebody got on stage and said almost the exact same thing as that guy did. He was like, if there is anything else, and there's like young kids here, right? And and how and college students, maybe I think high school, like young formative minds. And he was like, if you can do anything else with your career, go do that. And it was like the most disenchanting speech right. <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. What a and downer, remember- right? such a downer. And I remember thinking like, that's really depressing. And like, how are you going to say that to these young people? Maybe he was speaking on behalf of like the parents that were like pushing, you know, that kind of lifestyle on their kids. Cause we all know that those, those intense parents that like want your kids to the stage moms or whatever. Right. Um, but, and my mom's sitting there like, okay, like not really knowing what's going on. She's just here for me and to support me. And I just, I remember thinking like, 
that's depressing. I don't want to listen to that, you know, even being that young. Mm-hmm. And that's still how I feel to this day where I don't think he's wrong in saying that this industry can break your heart. It absolutely can if you let it. Uh, I think you have to come at it with a business mind. And I think you have to come at it with like a genuine curiosity and excited to be on the journey. This is something that is not about the destination. So if anyone's like, oh, I want to make it big. First of all, what does that even mean? Right? Like Mm. that could be like measured in so many different ways, but it's more about you need to enjoy the process along the way. I love getting a brand new script and like diving into a new character and putting my take on it. And, you know, crafting is Mm -hmm. really where my heart is. Like, what does she wear? What does she smell like? What's her horoscope? Like, what's her feeling towards this? What's her feeling towards that? Like diving deep into character is some of my favorite things to do because I get to play, Mm. you know, with all of that. And then I also get to live my life to the fullest because all the experiences I can collect while I travel, while I get my heart broken by love, you know, where I love really hard or I laugh and you just laugh with friends so hard that like your stomach hurts. Like those are the moments that you need to fully embrace so that you can bring them into your craft. And I just love every second of it. So I think that as long as you can fall in love with that process, like the rejection and the no's, the many, many no's that come along the way don't hurt as much because you know that you're here for a bigger purpose. Um, So I would say that like, he's not wrong in the fact that this is a really tough business, but I think if you approach it with a business mindset and just like a genuine love for the craft and realistic, and then also set yourself up financially sound. So you're not relying on this artistic baby to fund you, you're going to be fine and you'll get more longevity out of it. I love that you said that last part, that as long as you set up the business aspect of it as well, what mm-hmm. is the business aspect of being an actor? Oh my gosh. Um, it's so complex. Taxes are coming around the corner and I like want to rip my hair out. I know you uh, do yes. like, every year. It's it's the worst time. For sure. Um, so what it the question was, what is it like to be like from the business aspect of the actor? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the business aspect is the fact is a lot of the higher executive producers and the people who are actually funding the opportunities for us to be on TV, they need to make money. So every decision comes down to, is this project going to make money? And are we going to take a risk, quote unquote, with actors so that we're betting on them to make money? We'll take Blacklist, for example. It's going into season 10. James Spader makes the blacklist. We watch him. We watch that show for James, right? Mm -hmm. Like he does an amazing job playing red and he literally carries that show uh, for so many reasons. Like executive producers are like, he is the ching to ching and who around him in his world that we build in this show is going to fit. So that's why you can't take it personally when you don't get a gig because you might not fit in the world or be the right fit for that particular tone or whatever it is. You're, they're just constantly making those decisions so that they can craft a believable, really great show. Um, I think Stranger Things is also a really good example of this too. Like if you look at the cast, like everyone's a little funky looking, right? Like they're kind of like these Mm -hmm. weird kids in the eighties. And I love that. I think it gives it so much like grit and texture. Um, But like, 
you know, definitely not CW people are going to be on Stranger Things. So like, <laughs> it's just very different. So when it comes to the business side of acting, you just, you really can't take anything personally. And once I started getting more gigs and like getting used to the rejection and getting used to like the rhythm that, that the acting world provides, you start to just realize that like, oh, okay, we, we'll get the next one. You know, and then I'm in a place in my career now that I'm grateful for, like I can turn things down where I'm like, you know, this doesn't really resonate with me or it's not really like worth my time financially, or I don't really, I don't know if I'm available for this project because I'm conflicted with another project that's happening with me right now. I'm hoping I can do both the projects right now. I just got um, two offers, but there's a little bit of a date conflict. And you know what? That's okay. That's a that's a champagne problem. Right. <laughs> that's a good problem to have <laughs> for sure. A champagne problem, and I want to be making those decisions. It makes me feel like I'm the CEO of my my business, which I should be. Yeah, I, you're the CEO of Miranda Roldan Productions, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, whatever that exactly. is, whatever you think of yourself as, and and the CEO. We we talk about what does it mean, a chief executive officer. So it's those executive decisions that we're talking about that are sort of the business part of you, the, the executive functions of the brain, the executive functions of a, of a CEO, you're making these decisions. And you just mentioned some things you said, oh, you know, is it going to fit in my schedule? Is it going to fit in, uh, in, in sort of the, the trajectory I want to go? Some of that is very practical. And again, analytical, you have to figure that out. But some of it, as you mentioned, is, is this the kind of project I'm interested in? And mm -hmm. it's a good problem to have. So let me ask you, in in this, when you're trying to figure out which way you're gonna zig or zag to, to make your career go the way you have planned for it to go or envisioning it to go, this is now the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm wondering what part of your creative brain or what role does your creative brain play in, in that? What part of that lateral thinking or the imagination or the what if play in your decision-making process, your character-building process, and your work process when you're on set? Mm. So I always, you know, depending on how large the role is, right, you kind of want to know where the, and start there. Mm -hmm. If you look to the co-star, your only job is to serve the story. Mm -hmm. It is not about you <laughs> and as a co-star, as a one-liner, two-liners, you are there to help push the story along and deliver information that's vital, most likely. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of actors get kind of caught up in that where they like, like this is my moment. And like the line, <laughs> the line, the line is the pizzas are in the car and they're like, the pizzas are still in the car, you know, like, <laughs> you're still in the car, you know, like it's not... Don't, don't milk it. So I think knowing your position and like where you play in this cast, this ensemble, right, of a show is important and, and plays into like how I'm going to approach this creatively. You know, guest stars, you have a little bit more meat to it. Guest stars are, you know, you're heavily involved in the plot and driving what happens. You know, I think of Law and Order is always such a good example of the guest stars that come in. They're usually the you know, victim sister, and they're trying to figure out who did it or whatever it is. And it turns out it was the sister who did it all along, you know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever right. the plot is, like, that's obviously going to take some different crafting. So like my brain automatically, like if the full script is available, you read that baby, you just read that full script as possible. You try to get a whole like digest of what is going on because it could take a turn and you don't know that. And then you would want to deliver a line earlier on, maybe a little bit differently because that character drastically changes later in the plot. Hmm. Um, 
So I like to make things uh, personal enough where there's certain like little nuances in my um, in my performance where like, you really do feel like they have a bit of a backstory. Maybe they have a little bit of an accent somewhere. So it kind of gives you a hint of where they're from. Maybe, you know, are they wearing a wedding band? Are they not? Like you can kind of decide sometimes if your character is married or not. And that could be your choice uh, if it doesn't really say, um, but it's all about crafting that backend story. And I think that's what makes it really fun. Like I obviously love the meteor characters with more lines because there's more to do with it. So <laughs> um just hmm. kind of everything in as a whole. And I think what I really love about Cassie Belmont is like she is just so dynamic and there's just like a lot of different layers to her, which make the best characters, right? They make them so interesting because normal people are not simple most of the time. We're all mm-hmm. very complex. Or at least the interesting people are complex. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Good, both good and bad. And I think she's just, she's so colorful in her own ways. So I've really enjoyed uh, learning more about Cassie from like, you know, her skill set of being this like talented tarot card reader um, and an area that I wasn't really versed in. Um, She's also vegan. So that is very interesting to me. And then she's also kind of got like this like cool hipness about her where she rides this motorcycle and knows how to do martial arts. So like so many cool things, but then she's got baggage. So <laughs> as, as, do we all. Right. as do we all, as do we all. So. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me. I'm, I'm always looking for uh, cool new ideas and that's where my creative brain is my, my, my best friend, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I did to spark my creative brain, and I want to talk about this because this is how right. we met a few years ago, I took a stand-up comedy class and just because I wanted to figure out, can I actually be funny? And uh, and how do you do that on purpose? And you were in the class and I would love if, if you would talk a little bit about what drew you to stand-up comedy and how we met and <laughs> your fabulous, yeah. you were the closer. You were the closer for our student performance, uh, for our student night when we did this because we, Rich and I, my husband and I still, you know, porque? we still do it. We still <laughs> do it to each other because it was so classic. So can you talk a little bit about what drew you to, to that class, to stand-up comedy and to add that tool to your toolbox? I need to get back to stand up. And I know you've been dabbling it back into it too, but oh my gosh, stand up comedy. I'm so grateful that I met you and like took that class. And that, like, if anyone's like ever on the fence of like, do I take that salsa class or not? Just do it. Just do it. And it was something that had been on a bucket list. Honestly, I was like, I just, you know, New York has so much stand up here. I feel like I have a lot to say. I really was fascinated with the whole, how do you craft jokes part mm-hmm. of it? Mm-hmm. And cause it really is not easy. <laughs> I mean, no. some people are just very naturally funny, but I did struggle a little bit with it because there is a rhythm when it comes mm-hmm. in a formula. Um, and then you, you come up with the content, which is, it turned my creative brain on, like you said. So for me, I was like, I really just want to check this off my bucket list. I want to see if I'm good at it or, you know, I enjoy it at all. I I just love trying new things. So definitely fell into that. I'm going to try new things sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Plus I'd never miss an opportunity to make new friends and network. And, um, I think just, it was such a cool time in New York city to be able to do that. And I really feel like our class tried really hard and like did a really great job. And our instructor was awesome too. Um, uh, we, we took class at the pit improv and I, I'm and there's improv stand up. and I wish, you know, we continued it. Of course, like 2020 happened not too long after that, but like months um, after, 
Yeah, months after, was it? So because I did plan on joining some sort of women in comedy stand-up thing. Like I really did want to continue it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um at the time, but because of the circumstances, you know, it just I haven't picked it up again. But I I have just such a, a bigger respect for the comics. Like one of my favorite comics is Angela Johnson, and she's just so freaking funny and she's so effortless, right? Ah, uh, yes. And I love her and I love her story. I just listened to her audiobook and how she like never planned on being a stand-up comic, which I think is pretty awesome. She like was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be an actor. And it just kind of like led her this way. And she's acting now um in movies and things like that. But like her, you know, big launching pad was this stand-up opportunity. So it's just really cool. You never know what's going to happen or where things lead. And that is the part of the journey that I like love to discover. I I couldn't agree more. And it's so interesting to me when we're in this mode of discovery, that class was so it was so important to me in part because I got to to meet you know, people like you who are who I consider lifelong friends. Now you're stuck with me, Miranda. Yeah, uh, no, we're stuck together. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and it also it pushed me way out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. to do this. So I would love to know what pushes you out of your comfort zone. Gosh, apparently, I like love to be a masochist and like love doing things that push me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, I I think for me there is this, like, if there's like an air of mystery, um, and then like, kind of like an adrenaline rush, like I'm going to pursue it. Like I will be your friend to go with you to go skydiving. My sister, I think so semi like hates me today for like forcing her to go skydiving with me years ago, but I did it. And, you know, it was some of the coolest memories we've ever had. We gave my parents a heart attack as well. And I just wanted to say that I did it. Like, I think for me, living my life to the fullest has always been kind of my MO. Like I'm going to take the trip. Um, I'm your friend who will talk you out of your boring job to go and pursue your dreams. I'm your friend to go pursue that like sexy love interest you met abroad. I am that friend. Like I'm almost like yes. that influence, but in the best of ways. <laughs> I love that. So for me, um, it can be dangerous, but no, but for me, I I talked to my sister about this, and her and I kind of see it the same way because we had obviously the same upbringing our parents, we love them and they're wonderful. And they were like the most incredible parents ever. They did not take risks. I mean, they had babies when they were babies, you know, they were very young and like their focus was like putting food on the table and giving us a great life, which they did, but they are not risk takers and, you know, grew up in the same town, never left high school, sweethearts, like nervous about everything. It's adorable. It's like very rare to find these days, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I cherish them and I love them. But me and my sister always had this like itch to get out of our town and go and see the world because we just had this curiosity that we felt like we just knew nothing about. So I think for me, like when it comes to doing risky things, like I, you know, living in another country, some people would never, ever think of doing that or ever want to do that because it's scary. Um, I was like, let's do this, you know? I love it. Oh, I need to quit my full-time dental hygiene job at 25 years old and move to New York with no insurance. Let's do it. Like, I like you, you, you make it work. I often compare myself to a cat. Like I'll fall on my four legs, you know? (laughs) I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. I am I am thrilled, thrilled that you did that because otherwise I wouldn't have met you. And 
when it's funny because we've talked about this before when we were talking about Cassie and and me asking you to be the cover model for the book, which was so awesome that you did that. But we talked a little bit about your process as an actor, and you you just mentioned that you developed these backstories for the people. Mm-hmm. But you're doing the audiobook right now, and mm-hmm. you're doing an amazing job. I'm so excited for it to come out. I can't wait. I know, um, I know. It's good. Perfection will happen, or oh, it will be perfect, but it, it will be freaking amazing. And oh, Progress. I like take the. I cherish every moment that I can work on this because I want it to be so good. <laughs> it's so, I'm, and and I'm so grateful, and I'm 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 excited, and I'm totally I'm like Buddha like patience here because I know it's going to be great. Um, l- talk to me a little bit about having to develop the voices, and I I mean yes, you're a voice actor, so you know how to do that. But the but the actual not the physical voices, unless you want to chat about that. But what goes into your thought process and your creative process as you're developing? There are like a hundred characters in this book. So how are you doing oh that? God. How did you do that? And yeah. and how did you how do you figure out who the narrator is going to be? What what does that process as an actor look like? And also, this is a lengthy process. So how are you balancing doing this with all the other responsibilities that you have? Oh my goodness, great question. So I think. Um, from a creative process, you know, there are a ton of characters in here, which I like love, but it also makes it trickier for sure. For um, sure. A little bit of a slower process because you want to be consistent with the voices. And I know you have really helped me with some of the tricks that you've done, you know, being a voice actor yourself. Um, I think for me, having a, a anchor of a person or a personality, and you've done such a great job. I mean, when you're lucky to have somebody like Isolde to like, you know, who's created and put so much love and effort into, into these characters, it really makes it a little bit easier for sure. Um, oh, thank but you. if you don't have that, right, like then you have to kind of come up with your own characters that you know of and other actors are great. And then you just kind of, or maybe family members or somebody mm-hmm. that you think that this character reminds you of is the easiest way for me to drop in to character. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, listening to myself with like the way certain sounds, you know, do I have to be more throat? Like, do I have to be a little bit more high pitched or like, what's my rhythm listening to accents, obviously a huge one for this book. Um, So, but if I, if I have a person in my mind, then it makes the flow so much easier and I can just drop in. Um, I think for, the like acting balancing aspect of it. Audiobooks are not for the faint of heart. Mm, <laughs> um, for sure. Audiobooks take a lot of time. You're in a dark, hot room, most likely for many hours. And time management is really, really important. And I I've found that, you know, you'll listen to some audiobook narrators and they're like, oh, I was in the studio for six hours at a time. And sometimes the deadline requires that and you just have to do mm-hmm. what you have to do. Um, I know for me, because this is an ongoing process, like, and I'm balancing my other, uh, bookings and stuff like you have, you know, you got to make money at the end of the day. So you kind of have to prioritize like, okay, this is what I need to do to this job so I can pay my bills. But then I also have this other project that I have to work on. So that's been my life this whole time where it's like, okay, do I have the one time to do a project? It may take a little bit longer, but do can we ultimately get it done? Yes. And then obviously the priority goes to like higher paying jobs, you know, sometimes I would say. Um, and that's like the business aspect of it. Like you're just like, okay, well, if I do this job that pays X amount, that covers me for a full month, which allows me to devote more time the following month to this project that doesn't, you know, 
um, pay as much. So I, I find that if it's a project that you love and you're really connected to, then make it a priority. You just might have to make it a priority in a slightly different way. And when we are two people who have so much going on in like different aspects, like I still freelance as a dental hygienist as needed. It's more like once a week Mm -hmm. uh, or sometimes twice a week. It just depends on what's needed. Um, Like you just, uh, you have to put everything on your calendar and you have to like stick by it and then not take meetings during certain times and, you know, carve out time to also edit the process, <laughs> edit the audiobook stuff. Like sure. that's a whole other like chunk of time. So it's it's taught me a lot because this is my first big series. And I'm just so grateful that you believed in me to do it. And we're gonna do a great job. We're already doing a great job. Um, and it just gives me such a like a new respect for the audiobook profession because there are people who do this like solely full time. Mm, mm-hmm. I would love to do that. I think that could be an option someday, but I, I feel like I I have so many interests that I don't want to just limit myself to, to just that. I completely understand. I'm the same way. I, I'm the shiny, pretty thing person who does not have ADD. I just, <laughs> it's really, I, I've had myself tested and I do not have ADD, but wow, do I want to try everything. Uh, that's, that's the, <laughs> sometimes yeah. that means you don't sleep, but yeah, that's the way it is. Uh, but you said something that, that sparked a question to me. You said, you know, you have to write everything down, da, 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 da. Can you talk a little bit about that balancing uh, that you're doing? It feels to me like you're juggling 15 balls all at once, but trying to figure out, okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna afford to do the things that I want to do, and balance that against the practical aspects? What are your what's your process for doing that? Like I don't I I'm the first to admit I I do it by the skin of my teeth. I'm I I need a better process. I'm about to join QuickBooks so that I can do this. But what what is your process for for doing that balancing of the financial parts? Like this project pays this, that project pays that. This is a project that I really wanna do. How do I figure all of that out? Okay, so I think getting super organized is really the first and foremost thing. And I know that can be kind of cringy to creatives. Like I am not the most organized person, but I strive to be. Like every Mm. year I try to work on something new. My goal for this year is to track my auditions and Mm. my bookings. And like, I wish I was better at it that last year because I love looking at the stats at the end of the year. And like, it's very, you have a proud moment and it's just, it's good for you to have a realization of like how much you're actually working and putting into this. Mm -hmm. Right. And cause the job, the job is auditioning that takes up a lot of time. Um, it varies week to week. But like, for example, for some reason, I'm like inundated. It's my birthday today. And I'm like, yeah, it's my birthday, birthday weekend. And all I want to do is celebrate. Thank you. All I want to do is celebrate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got like, no joke for auditions in today. And I'm so grateful, but I, like, awesome. they're all due by Sunday night. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we got to find, we got to carve out time to do them this weekend in the midst of celebration. So this is a perfect example. And I'm not surprised and at all that this happened. Like there's an acting <laughs> saying that like, if you're not booking or you're not getting a lot of auditions, book an aud- uh, book a vacation. Right. Because you will this absolutely is- <laughs> get an audition and it'll be like the biggest audition of your life. Um, so I <laughs> welcome it now that I know, and I've been doing this for over 10 years. So Um, I think being really organized and striving to be organized. So what does that mean for me? I actually really love, I studied under, or well, he was my former boss um, when I was doing executive business consulting, um, Don Corey, he has a book that's called when to say yes. And it's all about how to be more productive. 
And there's some really cool tidbits in there. And I especially like the one on one organizing your email. He has like a whole method and how to like keep track of your emails. Right. Awesome. Really insane. Like if you're that person with 14,000 unread emails, like it's time to, to make changes. <laughs> First of all, your storage <laughs> is like crap right now. <laughs> so, so I, I apply his email um, sequence. Um, he's very regimented. So I, you know, make it work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, I'm nothing without my Google calendar. Oh, nothing. yes. Like you tell me like, oh, are you available here? And I was like, I can't answer until I look at my Google calendar. Like my brain just does not remember sure. things. So I put, I try to put as much as I possibly can on my Google calendar. That is when auditions are due and like all the information of the audition, mm-hmm. um, how much it pays, when's it filming. And usually it's like a range of dates, like who casts me in it, like all of that data stuff. I do wish I could, you know, have a more automated system. So if mm-hmm. there is an app out there that like pulls and extracts that information for you, please let me know. I might have to just create it myself. No, oh, yeah. But uh, I I put it in to when it's due so I don't miss, you know, a due date on, on an audition, but then also I can go back and enter that information into my audition tracker. And then I have all the information there. And on top of that, I take uh I have a where is my money tracker. <laughs> literally called where's my money you know and <laughs> sometimes you work these gigs and you don't get paid for until 90 to 120 days which is insane oh, yes. to me that it exists in the creative field it should be illegal honest to god it should be 30 days or less right you need to get um so i know it's kind of scary but like you can lose track of like if you got paid sometimes right. especially if it's like you know a smaller job like you're just I'm running all the time and we're busy going from thing to thing like there was a couple of times where my husband was like did you get paid for that thing yet and I was like oh my gosh I don't know and then I look and I didn't get paid for it and I just send an email out and they're like so sorry and then like I know to the average listener they're probably like how did you forget about your money that's insane but like when you when every week is different mm-hmm And you're just Mm -hmm. jumping and going and responding kind of like at the skin of your teeth. I would say that I'm a combo of both. Like every week I have to be prepared for changes, right? Like something could come up, a last minute booking, uh, a big audition, or maybe they move a shoot date. Like I have to have the schedule to be flexible, um, but I don't want to lose track of what's going on. And so you know, the money tracker is great. I just put in like how much I was, you know, when I booked a gig, like how much it pays, how much my um, agency is supposed to take out percentage wise. Cause you want to check all that stuff come tax time. Cause you can write off the percentage that your agent takes. Um, and that goes towards your 1099 income, not W2, but like W1099. And like that stuff's important, you know, especially when creatives end up owing a lot of money at the end For of the sure. year. So I want to just be better at that. So I, um, you know, have two audition tracker or an audition tracker and a money tracker. So from that aspect, that's how I stay organized from a time aspect. It really is Google calendar all the way and like trying to stay really good at staying within the time frames of the stuff that I schedule. But we know that you can, you have to be a little flexible sometimes. Um, and then also giving your, your schedule, the space to be flexible. And there was times where I was so busy that I had to like factor in free time or like rest time, Mm -hmm. which is insane. That was more in like my New York, like I'm working three jobs days. Now life looks a little bit different, but, um, 
I used to like have to schedule it in because I would like pack my weekends and everything else like to the brim and wouldn't realize it. And then I'm exhausted. Right. And then I didn't want to do things. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so like I, I've really taken my own personal mental health and physical health into consideration. I do make exercising a priority right now. Um, it's just all important because it makes me feel better and I can be more productive, um, when certain things work for me. But I I would say like, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out, like just be in the process of figuring out what works for you. Like I would still like to wake up every morning and do 10 minutes of meditation. I don't do that. I like do it for like a week and I'm like, "Mm, okay. And then we fall off the bandwagon. I'd like to (laughs) regiment that a little bit more into my life. That would be great, but we're working. We're always a work in progress, always under construction. Sure, absolutely. You know, and it's funny, we have this idea of meditation, now that you brought it up, that it's this this rarefied air that you breathe if you're a meditator. Oh, I'm going to sit and I'm going to be a guru up on the mountain. And you don't have to. It can be five minutes. You can do five minutes and yep. it can be that. You can do it while you're brushing your hair. Brushing your hair can be a meditation. It's all about the sort of process that you go through. And so that balancing act can happen a little bit better if you're doing it that way. But you said something that I'm like, hmm, okay. So you ran yourself to exhaustion and mm-hmm. over time you figured out how to balance, or at least you're figuring out how to balance. Mm-hmm. And I see, this is the thing, this is a silly transition, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Mm-hmm. You are, it's not silly, it's true. You're a very giving person. And so you've decided to give back and take some of the things that are working for you and take some of the challenges and talk about them. And you've mm-hmm. you've started the Balancing Actor podcast. And I would love to hear from you what exactly it's about, what prompted you to do it and what do you want it to do? Okay. I have been wanting to do this. We've been talking about this. You know, I'm like, I have this podcast idea. I want to do it. And you're like, do it, do it. It took about <laughs> two years, two years to really get it off the ground. And I, not because of a procrastination thing. I think when I originally had the idea, I was very excited. I was like, I want to do this. I have no idea where to start. I have Mm. no idea what's entailed, right? Because I'm very protective of my time now. Um, Like you said, because I don't want to put myself into a position where I, you know, was feeling the way that I had felt, you know, before I want to balance my life, but I also want to provide value back. I want to have a sense of connection. Like to me, that was the most eye-opening thing when everyone, you know, when 2020 happened where it was like uh, my profession changed completely from Mm. the in-person audition um, you know, lifestyle to we're putting yourselves on tape, which I love the fact that I do not have to spend gas to go drive two hours or take a subway to go, you know, to go in person for five seconds is amazing. <laughs> like I have learned to <laughs> yes. love working from home self tape, but the, the problem is, is you lose the connection. Like you lose your classmates. Like we did at, you know, in stand up. like I missed that. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. So I know the extroverts really had a hard time, mm-hmm. but more importantly, I just felt kind of alone with all the changes that were happening during 2020. And I wanted to make sure that I still maintain a connection, um, and wanted to connect with people who were going through the same thing as I was, and also working as hard as I was towards this craft, uh, you know, people who weren't taking it not seriously. Like this is not a hobby for me. This is my professional way of life. And I'm not an inspiring actor. We're working actors. Like the the inspiring is like so cringy to me because I'm like, well, you're an actor. Like, are you working towards your career? Great. Like no one's aspired to be anything. Like you do it. Um, 
So with the Balancing Actor podcast, I was like, how do I, one, create a sense of connection? Um, and I think the podcast is a great platform to do that. They just blew up over that time frame, right? Like everyone sure. listening and audiobooks were huge and all this stuff. So I, I you know, was a little bit like excited about this new trend, um, but I, it's a trend that's really sticking years later, which is great. I wanted to position myself also not as like an acting business expert because I don't, I feel like I'm always a lifelong learner. And although I have a ton of experience under my belt, like I don't want to tell actors like what they have to do or what they should or should not be doing. My curiosity came more from like, how is it doing this? Like how, this is such an interesting industry to be a part of. And you, it's really a lifestyle choice, which can make it very difficult for people to fully pursue. Because when I left DC at 25 to move to New York, I was terrified because I knew my life would never be the same. And for good and for, you know, t also scary reasons. Like I didn't know what that was going to look like. And then you have this like stigma of like starving artists. And I told myself I would not subscribe to that mindset and I would not become a starving artist. Like mm. we don't need to be a starving artist and we don't need to buy into that. That's silly. I like to pay my bills and I like to pay them on time. <laughs> I'm sure that, I love you, that you know, you know, and like we can, you know, put food on the table and like keep this going. And that was another thing. I wanted to be a podcast that was sustainable. I don't, there's pod fade where people, you know, have what seven episodes and then they just stop doing it because they either make it too complicated or they just are like, ah, I don't know, I'm not getting the traction that I wanted. Oh, it's not making me a million dollars. Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I didn't want that. I said, no, I want to set myself up. Um, one to learn about podcasting, how it goes about, how can I make this the easiest, no frills approach so that I can show up and be consistent. I don't want this to feel like a chore, but I want to be able to deliver the most information I can. And I want to connect with people. So I want to interview other actors who are doing the damn thing, like on, in their own lives, because every single actor I meet has a different side hustle, has family. They have all these different scenarios. Maybe they're, they were a doctor for, you know, 35 years. And then now they're getting into acting. Like, I think that's such a cool story. Um, acting is the best retirement job, by the way. You just need to, you know, if you can have like a steady pension or like social security coming in or retirement coming in, then you have all the time in the world. Like acting is for you. Like it's good. I love it. Those, those, those pharmaceuticals, like they pay really good money. Okay. So I think for me, it was really important to set myself up in a capacity of like, okay, how many shows do I want to do? And right now we're, we release every Friday. And I want to batch uh, seasons because as an actor, like my life is crazy. It's always different every time. I want to be able to pre-record episodes ahead of time and then like, you know, roll them out as they go. And there's a lot of really great software that lets you schedule out, as you know. And um, what I hope for the podcast is really my podcast talks all about balancing your civilian life with the creative one and then everything in between. So a lot of podcasts, acting podcasts really focus on the business of acting, like all those technicalities and casting directors and all these like things that's going on. And that is a portion of this um, podcast. Like you can't not talk about that stuff, but it's not the sole focus. And mm -hmm. I want to talk about all of the other things that like, I, like, how do you bring a human experience to this creative life, this creative acting crazy life that we live and, and how do we remain sane? And then also like live abundant lives, have families get married, buy houses, like those sort of 
questions I was very curious about and also felt like I had nobody in my corner who understood my finances and the way that they worked um, and wanted to connect with more people who were living my same life. So what I think what really fascinates me is like the amount of time we actually spend on set or on stage is such a small percentage compared to all of the other things that it takes to get there. And I'm like, no one's talking about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I hope this podcast brings is a sense of connection. It's been amazing so far. The people I've interviewed are everyone like I've met before. Actually, there's one person I did not meet that I met through like talking about the podcast. So it's like such a fun conversation starter and people get excited about it and they can listen. You can share. So it puts me out in my own way, which is great for marketing. Good job, Miranda. Like, well, how do we market ourselves a little bit more? Um, but then also it allows me to invite people onto my podcast that I wouldn't normally probably have that like follow-up connection with. And, um, a lot of them are, you know, working actors that I met on set I worked with and, and love celebrating them and giving them a platform to shine when they're not, you know, the most famous person in the world. Hopefully I get some celebrities on my show someday that I think that would be really dope. But like, I love the conversations I'm having right now. That's so awesome. It's so terrific to hear that vision of, yeah, let's talk about all the other stuff before you step on stage all the other stuff that has to happen. And it's funny, Rich, my husband, who is a performer himself, when we talk about uh, charging, for example, what are you gonna charge a client to come and do a, a, a clown show for them? And clients often go, but you only, you know, you, you, you're only gonna be on stage for half an hour. And he goes, yeah, that half an hour, I would do for free. It's all the years of working and trying and practice and da 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 that I'm actually charging you for. And it's yeah. a really interesting way to look at how we, who are balancing this creative life with a more, uh, as you said, abundant sort of personal private life, yeah. have to do it. But I guess the question is for me now, or for you, I should say, uh, I wanna talk about respect. I wanna talk about how to, what your thoughts are on respecting your time, but also, having the, I don't even know how to say this, feeling like you deserve respect for the professional that you are. Have you ever struggled with that? And if so, what did you do to overcome it? Yeah, I think especially early on in the career where you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. There are jobs out there that pay absolute dirt crap. Um, and you're <laughs> just like, really? And sometimes they'll even ask you to take your clothes off and also only offer you like scraps. And so it blows my mind that people get away with this. And it infuriates me to some degree, you know, for like a second, because I'm like, are you serious? Like you are really dead serious that you would only pay actors this much money to give you all of that. Like that to me is very disrespectful. And we, right. it's kind of like dating, like you got to stop going out with the trash and like, ex, you know, and letting them know that it's okay to pay you or to treat you that way. Right. And so you just don't take those jobs. Um, I get it. Like there might be some jobs that like eh, could pay better, but it's decent. And if it's local to you and it's, you know, maybe a half days of work and it's going to be an easy in and out thing, like I respect it, especially if they're like, we'll pay you same day. I'm like, hello. Like, you know, like <laughs> I will be there. 
So you just kind of pick and choose, but I think the respect thing at this point, I, you know, I just went to a networking event and no one really knew who anybody was. And I kind of had a feeling, and I mean this in the best of sense, but like I, I was more, I was a much more experienced actor there than Mm -hmm. the other actors that were, that just, I had interacted with at the time. Um, and like had, you know, been very fortunate to work on some amazing shows and like commercials and stuff like that. So some of the conversations that were coming up were a little bit basic for me having been here for 10 years, you know, 10 plus years. And I, I think my advice for them was to, you know, I was like, do I have a three, three, um, three component rule. If the job is a job that's going to propel your career forward, you have to ask yourself, like, say you get presented with something with a rate and everything. Does this job is the, like propel my career forward? Is it, is it going to do something for me? Um, does the job pay and what does it pay? (laughs) And the last one is, am I going to like doing this? Mm. And I always said that if I don't have two out of the three, it's a no. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've used that as respect for myself in the profession to also respect my time, right? And not feel like I had to be obligated to say yes to things. Mm -hmm. Um, I use that also as just like a way for me to get some peace and not, you know, of saying no, because it's not always, it wasn't easy for me to say no all the time. Um, but ultimately I didn't want to be resentful, you know, of, of this project that I was a part of. And like, you get on set and you're like, this is a waste of my time, you know, sort of thing. Or like the production is just not organized or whatever it is. Like I show up, I'm going to be professional with you. I expect you to be professional with me. And then getting just really comfortable about your rate. Like someone asked me at this networking event, like, oh, do you ever do any like career consulting? And I do like, I'll, if someone wants help, I will help them. Um, depending on what they, they need help with, I can range from like, are you just getting started? Uh, what materials do you need? Or, um, one person really wanted to know what like hosting was like. So I had a session with them and how they could get into hosting. Um, they also, another person wanted to, oh, I literally went to their house and helped them set up their entire self tape, um, room. Mm. And I was like, this is what you need to do. We did like a mock audition and I showed them the editing software. I was there for like two hours and I got a lot out of it because I think the person really appreciated it. Right. But I charged for my time. And I, and I, even if you have friends in the business, um, I really have gotten used to being like, I'm going to pay you. Like, yes, you might give me a little bit of a deal, but like, I'm going to pay you and I'm also going to refer you so that you get more business. And I think there's something really beautiful that happens when you do work with friends or people that you know is like this mutual respect for one another's craft. Like my friend is a makeup artist. She, you know, didn't really want to charge me for like a a TV event thing. And I was like, you're, I'm going to pay you. Like you are, you reserved hours of your time to, for me. Like I'm, that's crazy. And then when she wanted to pay me for some of my services, I had that same feeling was like, do I really charge her? Yes. You got to just charge her. You know, like we, and then it was like, it came up in conversation, but it was like a beautiful, like mutual respect for one another. Like let's not discredit ourselves for our time. And I know that I'm going to recommend her to every single person possible. And she's going to do the same for me. And like, that's the type of relationships I want to have you know, because we are worth it. A hundred percent for sure. Absolutely. And, and I, uh, 
I could keep you here for the next six hours, but I, I won't. Know. <laughs> this is so much fun. Uh, yeah, I'd love for you to come back uh, and let's talk more. Uh, I have just a few more questions and then I'll let you go. But hopefully these are short questions to answer. First of all, somebody wants to follow the Bouncing Actor podcast. If someone wants to get to know you a little bit more, where are the places that they should go? What's your social channels? It's all going to be in the show notes, but I, I know people learn differently. Some some people will want to hear your beautiful voice say in the words. Yes, absolutely. I think the best place to find me, uh, you can find the Balancing Actor podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. So it's pretty easy. Um, it's a pink logo. It's very punchy. You can't it's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. And um, follow me on Instagram at, at Miranda Roldan TV. I like to engage on there. I get a lot of my interview um, potentials in that platform. I just like to see, you know, what the artists are all about, get to know them. I just think it's a great like calling card. So that's a great, great place to reach me as well. Awesome. And also your website. And that's just... Oh, MirandaRoldan.com has all the uh, agency contact info if you want to book me on something. Yeah, and <laughs> why wouldn't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then I have just one last question. And it's a silly question, but I find that it yields some profound answers. And the question is this. If you had an airplane, environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite mm -hmm. anything for the whole world to see, what would you say? You are made of magic. I love that. That's so fabulous. <laughs> that is so fabulous. Thank you so much. Miranda, I'm so, so thrilled that you were able to come on the show and we were able to talk about so many wonderful things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop saying the word. So I'm ridiculously excited to keep hearing more about uh, balancing the actor life with the civilian life on the podcast, on the Balancing Actor podcast. I'm excited for Die by the Sword. I'm excited to see you. I watched your episode on FBI and I was like, yay, I know her. It was awesome. So, so yeah, I'm super grateful. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Zolda. I like love seeing what else you have up your sleeve. And I'd love to have you on the Balancing Actor podcast. We have so much to talk about. And uh, I, <laughs> I would love that. That would be amazing. That, is, that would be terrific. Thank you, Miranda. This is Isolde Trachtenberg and Miranda Roldan. And I had a wonderful conversation. Find her, follow her. You will never be sorry. She's amazing, as you can tell. Keep learning more about what she's doing. You're going to see all the links on the show notes page. Until next time, though, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast reminding you, check out Brain FM, check out my host Podbean because they are fabulous. And until then, remember to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.